we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we are saying goodbye. Not good goodbye for good, but goodbye to this year. That's right, this is the final episode, just because Christmas is next Friday, uh, and then beyond that, we also have New Year's Day, which is also on a Friday, and when, as we release this episode today, that means, well, we're going to be with our family and loved ones and friends, playing games, reading books, watching movies, eating until we have to probably put another, uh, you know, let the belt out uh, or be like uh, Al Bundy from the 90s and put our hands, you know, in, in <laughs> the, the, wa- the ba- waistband of, of our pants just to relieve some pressure because we've eaten so much food. That is right. This is the last episode of 2020. Thankfully, we have arrived. <laughs> yeah. But you we, know, we started we started out with so many hopes this year and they all came crashing down with the giant toilet paper debacle of April of 2020. Hey, not not everything though. That's the thing, okay? Yes. It has been a year. It has been a year for the books, for the record. But nevertheless, there have been some wonderful things and some good things and, and some okay things that have all happened along the way. So true. Yes, yes. No, d- d- don't get me wrong. That's why I paraphrase this because now it sounds all bleak and desperate. And now we're going to make it fruit, you know, nice and pretty and fruitful and butterflies and rainbows and sparkly things. Um. <laughs> Yeah, because there were some good points that came out of this year. Yes. Did we get every movie we were hoping for? No. No, a lot of those movies got pushed to next year. Um, Have you been to the theater lately? Probably not, but that's okay. You can still watch movies at home. If anything, it has proven to, uh, you know, for production companies and that to change. You know, you are going to be able to see Wonder Woman uh, 1984 in the theater or in the comfort of your own home if you have HBO Max. I mean, there has been, which is hilarious because that's what HBO was originally intended, home box office, so that you could catch your, or watch your movies at home. And now, literally, that is what they are, uh, which I think is cool. Uh, you know, there are other things in production and on the way, like the Snyder Cut of the, the Justice League, which I'm really eager to see. Um, but let's focus on this year. What awesome things happened this year besides your favorite podcast, Dungeon Crawlers episodes every week that got you through this horrible, horrible quarantine and pandemic? That's well, a fantastic question. And for all those people out there who are listening, this is an excellent time to jump onto the new Discord server and start to share and the end of your celebrations with all of us. But nevertheless, Krebs, what you got? So, as many of you may know, I am a tech junkie. I work in the technosphere. I love technology, especially as it evolves. And um, I've always been a bit of a gadget geek. And this year, we had, along with all the unprecedented quarantine issues we also had equally unprecedented advancements in certain technologies for example uh, it let, let's start with the biggest elephant in this room first which is the launches of the PlayStation 5 uh, 
and the Xbox One Series X and S. Uh, these machines represent exactly what we've seen generationally in every co home console evolution, which is a uh, a multiplicative, if not geometric, or even sometimes exponential jump in computational power. Both the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 are now in the teraflops, like deep into the teraflops of uh, graphics processing calculations. And for those of you who may not understand what that means, a teraflop refers to trillions, trillions of calculations. And when you have multiple micro cores working together, we're talking about trillions per second, which is insane when you think about it. It allows them to draw lines of light in real time so fast that you cannot perceive it. Your, your television cannot show you those graphics quickly enough for you to perceive the change. Um, Pong and like you've never believed. Pong at, <laughs> at speeds inhuman, right? Uh, and what does this really mean for us this year? Because the consoles have dropped, and as is typical, you have a few launch titles, and then there's like this drought that occurs before new titles follow up the next year. Uh, there are a few key titles that are pushed for the holiday launch, and then we wait a few months, and then we start getting, a, a you know, the pipeline starts to fill in again. I personally, I personally was able to score a PlayStation 5, and... Uh, it has been a fantastic experience. Not perfect, but fantastic. Um, for those of you who may not know, I teach at the collegiate level, and uh, and I teach I teach software development, computer science, all that stuff. And I have a graduate from a year ago whose first gig out of my school was um, he got hired by PlayStation to work on their networking and infrastructure. And so he's on their networking side there and, and he's administrative, right? He's not like programming. He's setting things up. He's working on distri distribution of patches and things like that. Um, but PS5 launches and he contacted me because he saw that I was playing one online and he was asking me what I thought about it. I told him on day one, I had two freezes that forced me to reboot my PS5. He told me, he goes, yeah, launch day was a bit stressful, but that night we pushed out a, a patch very quietly and it fixed a lot of the issues. And he was right. I have had very little issue with my PS5 since. And that was November 12th. So here I've had my PS5 for a month, over a month now. And I am, I am playing both PS5 and PS4 games. The load times are are exactly what they promised. They are so freaking fast. I did have to get an external hard drive. I got a four terabyte, four, five, five terabyte. I think I got a five terabyte hard drive to put on the back of my PS5 because the internal hard drive, the special SSD that's super duper fast, is actually very limited in size. You can have about five, six PS5 games tops. So you'll probably get about five on there. But in the not too distant future, you'll have drives that you can swap out and get more storage and blah, blah, blah. The point is, Whilst I have been seeing many articles about the negative experiences of PS5, I can tell you firsthand my experience has been absolutely positive. Only a couple hiccups here and there, nothing deal-breaking, and nothing that caused me to lose a whole game or all my progress or anything. I have had nothing but a positive experience, and it has been one of the brightest highlights of 2020 for this guy. Killer. I remember... Uh being on a bus driving home from an event when somebody said Apple just announced their first terabyte hard drive and everybody freaking out about it. Like, how are you even going to fill it? It's impossible. And 
now I'm downloading <laughs> games that are, you know, 90 gigabytes, 112 gigabytes. And I'm like, man, I can, I can, I can see it. Now. Yeah. <laughs> see, you know, I remember when we got our first gigabyte hard drive. One gig. And that One was gig. big. Me too. Me too. You know, and I remember working, um, you know, in, in high school, we ha- we thought we were awesome because we had a 120 megabyte hard drive. And, it's like, <laughs> you know, and now, you know, like, you know, I've talked to my kids and, you know, it's like, hey, you want you, you want 500 megabyte hard drive or a terabyte hard drive? And like, what does it matter? And I'm like, it matters a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, right. You know, I have a terabyte hard drive on my laptop, and I'll be honest, it's almost full because I have a lot of audio content. I have a lot of video content. I have a lot of papers. I've, I, the papers don't take up a lot of space. It's the, the audio and the video stuff. Uh, pictures. It's crazy how fast we can fill that space up. But I remember in the past just it, you know, thinking, wow. How am I ever going to fill a, a terabyte hard drive? It's not that hard now no. that you think about it. Um, however, yeah, and I'm I'm glad you love your PS5. I'm still very wary of it, sure. um, just because it is a brand new console. New, I mean, look, launch day. They already discovered a bug, and I get that with software. Sometimes you don't discover things until it's finally out in the live environment. Yeah. But my biggest thing is there's still not a game that attracts my attention. That's there's fair. There's not a game that says, ooh, I now have to get this. The problem I do foresee is now we have overlapping consoles. The you know We still have a PS4 out there. There's still plenty of games out there. And there are games where they've said, hey, this is it. This is, there's other games. This is not a full game. This is a one one of three and if they throw that across you know say oh now you can't get part two unless you get a ps5 i'm going to be pissed however they release it so that you can play it on the ps5 or the ps4 then i'm okay Um, and and to that point to that point this is a pattern that playstation has set up ever since ps1 um they the the pattern is typically the the current gen runs five years and then um, you end up with the next gen at year six or seven, and they will support the the what was the current gen and is now the previous gen. They'll support that for another two years, and then they end of life it. Um, so I I don't see it as a problem. It's what they've done ever since PS1, PS2, and uh, PS2. Uh, we won't get deep into this history, but PS2 was what allowed Sony to take such a major financial hit during PS3, survive, come out at the top at the end of that generation to fuel the PS4, which has been at the top the entire generation. Yeah. So so I'm not too worried about it. I definitely hear your concerns. In fact, I, I actually will caution most people right now while there are scalpers and scammers out there that are and people literally I saw this article this week and it 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 it, it put me in literal awe. Um, there were thieves who rolled up on a shipping truck on the freeway and they robbed the back of the truck while it was in motion to steal the PS5s. And they did it. 
it was like some real Fast and Furious stuff right there. I am and extremely impressed. I, I was impressed. I, also, I was impressed nobody video that. footage. Yeah, also no one do that. The point is, there are lots of people out there who are disenfranchised because the scammers and the bots are buying up all the all the stock. I got very lucky. I got very fortunate that I was able to secure a model. Um, and I've got a, a couple of friends who have, and I've got friends who have not. If you wait until January, February, March of next year, it'll be a nothing thing. You'll be able to get your your console. You don't have to pay these exorbitant prices. Once Christmas is over, everything will almost it, like it will go on to a cooldown real fast. So be patient. And I definitely hear what you're saying, Dan. If you if you're not willing, and this is the you, this is the general you, the listeners. If you're not willing to put up with bugs and inconveniences because of launch day stuff, wait three months, wait six months, and you'll have a much better, much more stable experience in the end. But just so you know. A lot of the negative hype is just circumstantial or situational. I have had a great time with it. Well, that means Square Enix needs to kick out the next two uh, discs for Final Fantasy VII Remake before this end-of-life stuff happens, because if not, I'm going to... Uh... I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for Original Battlefront to come back. But, but I will say, that was a fantastic <laughs> game, and that came out this year. Uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake, I loved it. It it added more to the story. I loved it. I just hate the fact that instead of giving me a full game, I paid more for a third of the game than I paid for the entire game back when it originally came out uh, on the PlayStation One, and it came with four freaking discs. That's true. It's like, why didn't you just give me a whole game? But the good news is the remake was phenomenal. The yeah. half that you got to play was great. Yep. A third, a third. The third, half. the third, excuse me, the third. And that's not the only good thing that happened this year. Alton, Alton, lots of crazy good things have happened this year in your neck of the woods. Give us, give us one good thing that happened for you this year. Go. You know, I didn't encounter a single board game this year that needed a patch on day one. It all just came in the box. So that was awesome. That's not true. We all have homebrew <laughs> rules and you know it. Though I though I will say that uh, uh, my father-in-law did end up receiving a miscut copy of one of my favorite games, uh, which was very exciting to me. I obviously swapped it out for him and now I just hold it as a, as a curiosity. Which game was it? The Crew. <gasps> Phenomenal game. Excellent uh, game. Two to five players. Uh, it is a collaborative story-based trick-taking game or object collaborative objective-based trick-taking game, which is very unusual, uh, but it is a lot of fun. Um, but uh, even beyond that, there have been a lot of really cool things happening in the world of tabletop gaming. Uh, obviously there are some things that I'm very biased towards, including starting probably the coolest game store on the planet. Uh, but uh, even beyond that, Die Hard Dice has turned out some really cool stuff as well as other players in the industry, Kraken and uh, et cetera, have all been turning out really cool new dice designs. We're going deeper into manufacturing and there was kind of a f interesting give take in a lot of parts of the gaming industry, uh, tabletop gaming industry. Um, as international contracts got weird and manufacturing slowed down, it actually opened up a lot of interesting space for innovation but it also uh, reminded a lot of people that, you know, you can sit around a table with your family and play a game once a week or twice a week and that that's not so bad of a thing. 
Um, obviously, there are many, many businesses uh, that are suffering and trying to figure out how to make it through in a completely different business model than we've ever needed to do before. But nevertheless, we're seeing a lot of really clean designs coming out as companies are having more time to get in and fine tune and finagle and figure out how to really make sure that the experience is excellent. Um, there are a number of interesting games that have been announced and that have come out this year. We see Frosthaven, the sequel to Gloomhaven that's hitting, uh, as well as Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, which is a standalone prequel to the Gloomhaven box with nice. simplified rules and a lot more for people to play. Um, but even beyond that, my favorite game of all time, Twilight Imperium, has received a brand new expansion for fourth edition. Uh, it is absolutely phenomenal. Expands a huge, huge portion of the game. You can play with up to eight players now. There are seven new races, bringing to a total of 24 unique playable races, each with their own unique stats and special abilities and units. But they've also added additional tiles and content to the game. A uh, few new units, uh, as well as some unique racial abilities that are really adding a huge depth of flavor to the game. Um, and the other thing that is wonderful about it is that they nailed the expansion perfectly in that it has added a ton of content and depth of strategy without dramatically increasing the complexity to a point that it is impossible to work with or keep track of, or even teach new people how to play using the expansion already. What we are instead finding is that you are getting your engines started much earlier so that you're getting to see a lot more of the deeper things that individual races are capable of doing when they have access to bigger tech and more resources and things like that. Um, it's been a phenomenal thing. I've had, a great opportunity to be able to teach a number of people uh, Twilight Imperium this year. In fact, this Saturday, uh, as an end-of-year party for uh, my my day job, we're actually going to be running two tables of oh, Twilight Imperium, teaching a whole bunch of people play. how to play. I've we're going to have to make it happen play. over the break. Yes, please. Um, and it's it's just beautiful. It's beautiful to watch all of these things happening. At the same time, we've also seen a lot of growth with Fantasy Flight's new parent company, Asmodee, who has really rocked the industry as they've taken over a whole bunch of publishers from all the way from small publishers that few people have heard of, but that show a lot of promise to many big publishers like Fantasy Flight. And one of the critical pieces of that infrastructure that's been really fun to see roll out is that um, after they took over Fantasy Flight games, they dissolved Fantasy Flight Supply and they dissolved Fantasy Flight Online Division and they dissolved Fantasy Flight RPGs and everybody freaked out because nobody knew what that meant. And then a little supply company called Gamegenic all of a sudden spun up with all of the people <laughs> from Fantasy Flight Supply, but also a whole bunch of people from uh, other publishers that had been starting to produce some of their own ancillary products and accessories and sleeves and things like that. And now we're starting to see the fruits of those labors come out. I have, gentlemen, okay, good, my wife is not listening, purchased Settlers of Catan for the first time. <gasps> not that I've never played the game, I've played it quite a bit, but 
because the GameGenic line of accessories has come out that has made it so beautiful and easy to store, it adds beauty to the game and gives if if you've if you've never taken the time to really sleeve and accessorize a game, I encourage that you find your favorite game and do it. Because this episode not endorsed by GameGenic. <laughs> no. Uh, it, 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 maybe it adds, we should be. It adds a beautiful <laughs> depth. Um, I can I can confirm. I ha, I have had the chance to see the storage items of which Elton speaks, and I haven't played Catan in a a decade, maybe more. And I used to play it all the time. I haven't played it in forever. And I saw these storage things. And I'm like, I need to buy those. I need to get those. I need to store my games like this. Um, they are genuinely gorgeous and streamline interaction during the game. Yeah, I don't even own a copy of the game. I, I never have either until I saw the 25th uh, anniversary edition came out that comes with the five to six player expansion already included, includes a couple of packs of sleeves. So everything is all ready to go upgraded nice. dice and a whole bunch of other interesting components. And then all the accessories on the side that, uh, you know, you have a nice neat little card storage tray that has an individual tray for each of the resources in your development cards but it has a magnetic outer shell that comes completely off and turns into a dice tray. Nice. Which is Hot. super, super cool. And then they have these uh, um, little hexagonal storage trays for all of your wooden pieces. Everything has a slot. It's all very clean and organized and it looks nice and it fits well. Um, and it's just the, the whole thing. It finally hit a point for me where I'm like, okay, I know that this is an evergreen game that I know I'm going to want to keep nice and that when I'm teaching people games for the first time, especially people who have never played anything beyond Monopoly and Candyland, this is one of those beautiful bridge games, but I can show them how to play it really well and show them the full joy of, of feasting with the eyes and being able to feel and hear and experience everything very much like eating a fine meal. If you do the preparation up front and you really make sure that people are prepared for the experience and that there are things that are getting them into the game before they've learned how to play it, you're going to have a much better time. And we're seeing that happening across the industry. Um, companies like Folded Space, for example, have really boomed this year as they're putting together awesome foam core inserts. Uh, yes, they are. To be able to organize board games. Um, we're just seeing this resurgence of people realizing that good games last and that good games are something that you should be able to put on a shelf and pull out months or years later and greet it like an old friend with a table of old friends. And so I'm very excited to see what happens with the industry. It's undergoing massive transformation as everybody is figuring out how to work in the world that we're in now. Yeah. But nevertheless, I think that what's going to come out on the other side is something really beautiful and fantastic with people who are now more educated about board games and tabletop games and role-playing games than they've ever been and that have a deeper appreciation for what a game can be and what it can mean. So not a bad year, uh, really, really beautiful things coming. Now, uh, I don't want to take too much time because I know that Dan has something very important to share. Well, before I go into that, I'm just, I'm surprised. I mean, you brought up Candyland, but you didn't mention anything about Candyland battle rules. Jeez. 
You are you are correct. I was introduced to a number of wonderful gaming YouTube channels this year who have really shown me the error of my ways in not reading the classic rule books <laughs> to games like Candyland and Jenga um, and also have really spawned an interest in understanding more about what designers were thinking when they do things uh, yes. like those games have done. But, so I, I mean, books are always a tough one. I mean, there are so many books that get thrown out every year. Um, obviously, the ones I'm going to be excited about are a little biased because it's books that I would be excited about. I'm going to try to do my best and not be that way. Um, obviously, uh, one of the books I was excited for this year uh, was was Relentless. Uh, you know, it was the, the latest Dritz novel by R.A. Salvatore um, because uh, I... I've been reading him since forever. Uh, a couple other great books that came out this year. One that was super, uh, everyone was waiting for is Ready Player Two by oh, yeah. Ernest Klein. Uh, you know, those of you that weren't familiar with it suddenly became familiar with the, the uh, Ready Player One when the movie came out. Uh, they did a fantastic job, in my opinion, with that movie. And, you know, Ready Player Two was super exciting to see coming out. Uh, another one I was really excited about was from Christopher Paolini, who wrote the Aragon series. He hasn't written oh, yeah. literally anything really since then, but he released a new book called To Sleep in a Sea of Stars. Uh, fantastic, fantastic book. Um, I, you know, I just feel really bad it took him till now uh, to get that. But at the same time, how do you write a book when the very first book you write at age 17 becomes this massive international yeah best hit how do you follow that up you know and, and i'm sure there was a lot of stress on him of how do i follow this up this was huge what happens if this book sucks and so on and so forth so uh, pro tip the singer is not how you follow it up yeah but uh, <laughs> great job uh, I, i'm glad that we were both thinking the same thing but i wasn't going to present it in such a uh, no, no, uh i agree flame one, day, way. one day paulini will be on the show and i'll have to explain myself and, and apologize <laughs> Um, that could happen. Uh, so your name's Krebs, right? Uh, how many New uh, York Times selling best-selling books have you written again? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Michael J. Sullivan released two great books this year: Age of Empire and Age of Death. Um, I'm just kind of sc scrolling through some of these that uh, I was excited about. Um, Star Daughter, uh, by Shavita. Kat Katara, I can't remember. I, I I know I botched that name. I apologize. Uh, the Memory of Souls by Jen Lyons was a great one. The Bone Shard Daughter by Andrea Stewart. Um, the Ven The Fires of Vengeance by Evan Winter. Uh, Martha Wells, uh, The Network Effect, um, a Murderbot novel. Uh, Empire of Gold was another book. Sarah J. Mass uh, released a book called Crescent City, uh, which is a great book. Um, one that I was super excited about, uh, Peace Talks by Jim Butcher, which is another one of his Dresden File books. Uh, I just, I, I love those books, but more importantly, I love the audio books of them because they're, yeah. they're read by James Marsters. Uh, <sighs> guy that played Spike. Oh my gosh. He just breathes a whole different light into these stories and they're fantastic. Um, the Obsidian Tower by Melissa Caruso. Um, 
there's so many other books, uh, and I know I'm not hitting all of them. I know the one that was really anticipated that a lot of people were looking forward to was Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson. Mm. Um, I mean, these are just the fantasy fiction ones. That's not even touching suspense novels, thrillers, uh, or anything like that. But th- Yeah, I was thinking of, of uh, our good friends Mike Haspel and uh, Michael Brent Collins. Well, um, you know... <clears throat> Mike Haspel hasn't released anything, uh, but Michael Brent Collings actually did release a, a recent book. Um, in fact, I think he has one that's actually coming out, just barely came out for the Christmas time. Um, let me double check. Because uh, I definitely want to give a shout out for that, uh, for him. Um, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I'm... But- you know, as we've been as we've been sort of homebound, especially for you know three to six months at a time, um, both the opportunity to play new tabletop games or even breathe new life into old tabletop games, as well as discover new characters, new books, the written word, all the things that that our forefathers, all the things that are that are predecessors did for entertainment before we had streaming everything and video games all over the place and we had mobile devices in our pockets that were more powerful than the computers we had growing up before we had any of that this was how we breathed color and life into the mundane and the daily and here we are we're getting brand new innovations in tabletop gaming we're getting new works of the written word all the freaking time, all the time. Uh, and these are things that should not be overlooked. Okay, yeah, the name of the, the book is Stranger Danger. That's the new book that he put out. Already uh, fantastic. Yeah. So it came. It will be out December 21st. Uh, so keep, you know, keep an eye out for it. Um, you know, just the name realize. right there. I mean, how many times were you told? I mean, how many times were you told as a kid, "Stranger Danger"? You know, it's already it has its built-in marketing for the name of that book. It's awesome. Amazing truth. And the All good right. news is, even with this year having had so many things that have happened—good, bad, and indifferent—there are many good things to come. I am very excited to see what 2021 has to bring. Gen Con announced that they're going to attempt to hold an actual in-person event in August. We're spinning up the Discord server. We're we trying to, to get there. a lot of stuff ready. We need for... to be there if they're doing that. Yeah, agreed. So Gen Con I... is amazing. Tw- you know, four straight days of gaming. I mean, why am I so turned on right now? Because it's that awesome. I'm sorry. I'll turn my camera off, Krebs. Thank yeah, you, Elton. Just... Thank you. You know, <laughs> gaming, good food. It's it's uh, Gen Con. You know, when I went for the first time, I was overwhelmed because it's like holy crap! Everywhere I look is a new game. Everywhere I look is games I've played, games I love. There are innumerable booths that are nothing but dice, and if I walk past them, I know I'm going to spend money, so I have to avoid them. Uh, I want to talk to these guys. I want to talk to these guys. I want to do this. It's the only convention I know that I put in at least 15 to 22 miles a day in walking. 
<laughs> because I'm constantly walking back and forth because there's so much amazing stuff. But at the same time, when we've gone there as the show, we've gotten so much great content. We've got to meet great uh, companies that are putting out uh, fantastic games and build relationships with it. it it's a, an amazing, amazing convention. And I'm glad to see that it's coming back. And I, I'd love to go back. Um, in the past, because of when it's fallen, I haven't been able, the last few years, I haven't been able to go. So if we can, I'd love to go. Um, and it's an, an amazing city. Indianapolis is beautiful uh, in August. They have, you know, the river walks not too far. That's a fantastic thing. They're, you know, Salt Lake does a great job when we have Fan X. But when Gen Con happens, every fast food restaurant transforms themselves to the crowd. You go to the Colts, the Colts football grill, and you think, okay, it's gonna be it's gonna be all about football. No, they've changed everything to suit the crowd. You know, the first year we were there, they were giving specialty magic cards oh, um, man. out. They were doing geek trivia and, and handing out prizes that were like board games or gift cards and stuff like that. They had anime running or or um and they had on other TVs. They had video games set up. So while you were waiting, you can you could play video games. They really play to the crowd that is there at that time. And I I haven't seen another city do that. Now, granted, I haven't made it to Dragon Con, and I would think that's probably the, one of the other ones that that suits that. But also, I've heard stories about what happens in at Dragon Con after, at night is something you don't repeat. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like <laughs> Las Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But I could be totally wrong because I've never been there. But I would love to go. That sounds amazing. And we've got a whole slew of things that are going to be happening between now and then. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So if any of you want to be a part of it, if any of you have a connection, have somebody we should interview, want to be interviewed, have something important to share with the world, a major announcement, a new game, a new book, a new show. The good news is we can be reached and we can be reached in more ways than ever before. Down in the description right now, you should see a link out to our Discord server. And as a reminder, we're going to be doing a giveaway with the first hundred people who enter the server, uh, courtesy of our friends at Mythos Games. It's going to be an excellent time. And there will be other surprises and things along the way. Um, help us stress test the system. Help us break things in so that as we get all the shows and all the content and all the things that we want to do in 2021 ready, you're right at the forefront of it. And you're helping us work out the bugs so that when the second wave of consoles comes, we're ready to go. So yeah. I'm just thinking, I was just thinking here as you were saying, hey, the link will show up below. They're listening to a pot this in audio format only. There's not going to be a link that matters. Uh, that's true. No, but if they go to uh, dungeon crawlers, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to, I'm throwing that out here. The link is probably going to be in the information for the episode, just so you guys know, in case you're not watching. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, my reflex, my, uh, working with YouTubers, my reflex is to say, <laughs> just look in the description. I'm you're sorry, right. Guys. No, I get that. And Smash that's that why subscribe I wanted to button, hit that, that bell. Sure people are just going to go, where is it? Is it just supposed to flash in front of my eyes? Uh, that would be awesome if we could make that happen. Um, At least we don't open every episode with, hey, it's your boys, Dungeon Crawlers. Yo, hey, it's your hey. boys, Dungeon Crawlers. Yeah. So, hey, speaking of the Discord server, we are going to have two questions up there. 
that will run until the end of the year. One question will be to list something you discovered, some new fandom, some game that you've been playing, some book that you have read, something you've discovered for yourself for the first time in 2020 and post that in in one channel. Another channel will be what are you looking forward to? What has been announced that is coming in 2021 that absolutely tickles your geekdom? Go ahead and tell us about what interests you and you may be surprised how much of that will end up on the show in the future. So thank you all for being yes. here. Yeah, and another thing I want to add to that is when we get content coming in from you guys, we're going to let you we're going to let our everyone know who it's coming from. So if we read, "Hey, this question, you know, so let's say we have Bob Salvatore on and we put it out there for questions and we select yours. We're going to say, "Hey, this question came in from X, you know, so and so from XYZ." We're going to let you know we're using your question. Uh, not only to, to let you know, but we want everyone to know that we want this to be just as much your show as it is ours. We want you to have some interaction. So it's not just like, hey, they're just kind of you know, trying to collect some questions from the world. No, we want you to be a part of it so that when you're listening to that interview, maybe one of your questions is going to be a question that's read. Um you know, and, and it may, it could be something as silly as like, whoa. okay, where'd you come up with the name Dritz? Seriously. Um, you know, or it could be something as complicated as, you know, in such and such book on page 24, you said this, but in book such and such on page 89 of this and that, you said this and they counteract each other or contradict each other. Why? Um, now, be warned, if you're going to come up with something like that, Whatever answer is the answer you're going to get, and you may not like it. <laughs> so true. So true. One time I was at a Dairy Queen, and I just stepped onto a ketchup packet, and it went... Yep. That's how it came. <laughs> that is an awesome explanation. <laughs> uh, if only my naming conventions were that simple. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, before before we pull the plug on a, on a somewhat uh, shorter episode than what we've done this year... Uh, allow me to just ask my fellow co-hosts, uh, whom I love dearly. Uh, first, first of all, first a statement: I have loved being part of DCR this year. It has been a great year to come closer together while remaining far apart. And yeah. you guys are wonderful. The community, you crawlers out there, you are excellent and wonderful and epic, and you don't suck. And I really appreciate the community and especially my two co-hosts. Um, I want to ask you guys the question. Of this year, what has been your favorite or most memorable episode of DCR? Wow. I sprung that on the on them guys. That was not planned. I did not warn them, and now they're now they're oh, in the hot okay. seat. I, I already know which one it is, but I'm I'm wondering if Alton <laughs> wants to go first. Okay, so this is going to sound extremely conceited, but please remember. There have been a lot of episodes this year I've not been on to be able to help host. So um, the two that really, really stand out to me are the uh, the the golden rules of, of storytelling. That was such a good episode. And um, the, the first Rad Dome. Like, I've loved all the Rad Domes, but the first one was just 
so much fun and I've loved doing all of them since, but it was just one of those things where it just kind of came together and we, we, we did and full disclosure to everybody out there. Um, we try to make sure that these episodes are live and raw and real. We don't take time to script stuff. The vast majority of the time, we don't even take a lot of time to premeditate everything. Surprise. I know some of you won't have a hard time believing that at all, but the rad dome we were just sitting around trying to figure out what we were going to do. And they're like, well, what if we, I don't even remember how it all completely gelled into being, but we were just like, what if we just like each took turns debating something that we love? And I was like, you know what? I'm not super into eighties nostalgia toys. So how about I just like GM it? Let's just set it up like a grudge match. Let's play it out. Points don't matter. Just have fun with it. And I literally just pulled out a notebook and I'm just scribbling as fast as I possibly can to figure out the rules of the game and figure out everything that's happening. And we just do it. And there were things that we were making up as we went along to create the structure for it. But at the end, it turned into such a fun game that we've received great feedback on that we love to do. And I've, I just, I, cherish those moments when everything comes together yeah for the record folks those of you at home uh alton we we we, it's exactly what he described we came up with an idea we wanted to have some sort of grudge match we had no formal framework or structure or name and while we were on the air alton came up with the rules and the structure and even the name rad dome where the rad stands for three categories that we compete in uh it was completely his brainchild within a span of a handful of minutes that is the kind of game designer alton is but the d stands for danger the d stands for danger which is the first rule any any time that you're going to improv like that, you have to understand the D is for danger. The D is for danger. The D is for delightful. <laughs> that because is true. it's delightfully dangerous. We accidentally discovered greatness in that episode, and it was it was Alton's magic that really brought it together. <laughs> Alton, high five to you. That was that was amazing. And Thank the golden you. rules, the 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 three uh, alloys of of RPG GMing or RPG playing, those were amazing. Those were concise and perspective shifting. Those were great. Thank yes. You. All right, I guess Dan. It's my turn. Yeah. So, uh, an episode that was most memorable or one of your favorites? So, most memorable is actually you guys uh, taking over the show and interviewing me. Because of the Whitney Award finalization for yeah. my book, Heck because yeah. quite often, and it's been it's been noted by a few people that I have this uncanny neck, this uncanny ability that I am interviewing my co-hosts even as we're talking, and people are learning about the my co-hosts. But prior, my co-host didn't do the same thing back, and so a lot of people were like, "Hey, I know everything about your co-host, but I know nothing really about you." Um, so it was really great to have that come in to the show where it's like, Hey, your book's out. You have this fantastic award coming up. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about your book. Uh, because, you know, the show from the start has always been about promoting and lifting other people up. I don't really lift myself up. So it's nice that 
I had other people wanting to lift me up. Uh, and in that episode, I realized, wow, um, you know, it's okay. It's okay to, to lift me up. I'm not being prideful by talking about my book. I'm not being prideful uh, and making myself be this all-amazing guy by, by doing that. And that's kind of something I always thought of. Well, you know, if I talk about my book on the podcast and I'm kind of being arrogant or being pompous or something like that when realized, no, that's not the case. Um, so that, w- that one was very memorable for me this last year. Uh, I mean, honestly, every episode has been great. Uh, it's been, the episodes have been a fantastic year. Um, in the beginning, uh, you know, I kind of reached a point because of some stuff going on in my personal life that I, we, we kind of quit doing the show. Um, and then, and I was kind of seriously debating about phasing the show out and moving forward. But then I realized this show is self-care for me. It's a way to re-energize myself for the week. So it was an opportunity for me to talk about things I'm excited about. Uh, it's an opportunity to get together with people, uh, you know, like the two of you, and be able to talk and just talk. It doesn't need to be about how crappy things are going on at work or how crappy things are because of the quarantine. We just enjoyed talking about whatever it was in that moment. And for the time we recorded, that's all that mattered. And I got to say, you know, it's kind of like when you go to to a movie theater. You're, you're expecting to set aside all your woes, all your worries, and enjoy and invest into the movie and enjoy that hour and a half, two hours, three hours, whatever the movie length is, and just check out from the world. And, and that's kind of how it was. It was an opportunity for me to check out of life, enjoy the moment, and then come back with feeling a little bit more uplifted uh, to move forward so thank you thank you for that opportunity uh for both of you and uh i have appreciated it you know er- you. everyone's year this life this year has been difficult i know you listeners have had your ups your downs yeah some of you may have had a great year and that's fantastic some of you have, may have had some struggles this year um you know alton has had in my opinion had a fantastic year you know started a brand new <laughs> Uh, brand new game store, which is amazing. Joined our team. Uh, that in my book is a win. That that's an awesome thing. Thank you. You know, Krebs is doing awesome in his job. Uh, man, I know What's there's so thing? many other things. There's so many other things. My mind has just gone blank that I know you've accomplished this year that you've been doing. Um, which which are pluses and you know even as bad as things have gotten where you know i'm going through a divorce now i still think this year is a win uh it was a difficult year but it was still a win the show is doing well we're gaining momentum again uh we're definitely going in a new direction uh i'm back to writing again you know book three in the series is on its way i have another book that's sitting with an editor being reviewed um you know, I'm I'm a third of uh, I'm not a third a fifth of the way done with this book. I have some fantastic ideas, uh, but I'm writing again, which is a good thing. Uh, playing games again. I'm connecting uh, with old friends, and uh, and things are moving forward in a positive way, even in the dis- in spite of the negativity or the the bad stuff that has happened this year. I think we can all say that, that there, there's there been good and bad, but I'd like to think there's been more good than bad. 
I feel like I'm rambling at this point, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> Just fine. So, Krebs, your uh, episode. I don't think I can it? top Dan's answer. <laughs> Dan's answer was was great and consummate and covered every every possible positive base. That was great. Um, but I will I will endeavor to add a little flavor. Um, I one of my more memorable episodes was one where unfortunately Alton could not be on the show with us that day. But oh no no I'm sorry I'm sorry. Um, I have a tie. I have a tie for most memorable. Um, the Filoni insights. The Filoni insights. Mm. Um, the reason that episode is so memorable for me is because I, I, I have, I have this theory that the Star Wars of your childhood is the Star Wars in your mind, and any of the trilogies or the shows or any content that contradicts your Star Wars is bad Star Wars. Um, I, and that that's just a working theory. I have I have experienced that most Star Wars is at least good Star Wars, if not great Star Wars. And that said, having lived through the original trilogy, the prequels and the sequels, um, I for a long time and and still the, the prequel trilogy to this day is one that I do not like. I don't enjoy it. But the students that I teach. They all love the prequels. Those who have seen it, they love the prequels. Um, it's the it's the Star Wars of their childhood, uh, and Episode One especially was a film that for me I could I could literally never watch again and be just fine. But then we did the Filoni insights, and I watched the interview with Dave Filoni and um, John Favreau and the other directors of Mandalorian as they sat, as they were at this roundtable. Um, you can find this uh, on a show called Gallery on Disney Plus. This episode not endorsed by Disney Plus. Um, and but maybe we should be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and Dave Filoni talks honestly, um, with integrity and sincerity and with passion, um, not fire, but with passion, about the the concept of hope in Star Wars, and the the name duel of the fates um for for one of john williams tracks and what it really meant and what it really stood for and i gotta be honest with you it, it added so much value to a film that i had completely dismissed for a couple decades now and even though it's still my least favorite star wars film um it now has new value that wasn't there before because we had this conversation on DCR. Uh, so that was one of my more memorable episodes. One of my favorite episodes, and and I'm going to jump on the self-serving track here, but um, the episode where we where I got to gush about Kroll for an hour <laughs> with Mike Haspel and with you two, um, I the the film Kroll. I consider myself a super fan and it is rare to find, to find someone, <clears throat> excuse me. It is rare to find someone who even knows what the film is. And it's rarer still to find someone who likes the film. And so Mike, uh, being someone who actually likes the film, it was a joy to have him on the show talking about it. Plus he, he's very into the whole, um, he's into the whole year of 1982 films and, and this one came out in 1983. So it's around the same period of time. And, um, and I got to gush about 
something of which I'm an enormous fan, but there are very few people that can that, that share that fandom with me, or at least very few that I've come in contact with. And so it was that rare gem, that rare moment where I got to completely drive the ship about something that matters to me, you know, incredibly deeply. And I got to share it with people who either had similar feelings or could at least respect and understand why I felt that way or, or were curious about it. So we got to share it. And in the sharing is the value. That's what makes podcasts work. That's what makes being a nerd and a geek and all that subculture. That's what makes that work. It's in the sharing, not the stealing, not the concealing, not the, not the selfish, um, sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, hermetizing. It's not in keeping it for yourself. The best part of any fandom is sharing with other fans. That's the best part. And that's what I got to do on that episode. And it just, it was, it was soul fulfilling. It's called geeking out for a reason. It's not meant to be this internal thing that isn't seen. It isn't heard and isn't cared about. We love these things. We love to be part of these things. We love to share that passion with others. And we hope that you've enjoyed sharing that passion with us. Cause I know I wholeheartedly echo the sentiment that both you and Dan have put forward here is being able to love something unabashedly without fear and to be passionate about it, to be in the moment with it. It's just been wonderful and there's going to be more of it. Agreed brother. All right. So we're ready to wrap up. Uh, just for for those of you that are interested, uh, it was just announced that Disney Plus will be releasing the Mandalorian gallery behind the scenes for season two on Christmas Day. <gasps> I so, know that. Merry Christmas, us. Yes. So for those of you that want to see that, there you go. You have a Christmas present uh, from Disney Plus, and uh, we're just letting you know about it because it's definitely not from us. So, uh, yes. But maybe it should be. Exactly. Maybe John Favreau watches the show religiously and is pulling strings behind the scenes for you us. Know, We're not know, saying God, that isn't the case. You know probably. what? At this point, at this point, because of my white whale list, I would like to remove George Lucas and add Dave Filoni and or John Favreau. Amen. Um, just because I, 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 George is retired, I don't think I'm going. We're going to get him, but Dave Filoni and John Favreau are still a possibility, and I would like to substitute them in onto that list. That is my official call for the end of 2020: removing George and adding those two gentlemen, because I think that would be an amazing opportunity and, and call. So, hey, Dave or John, if you're listening. Or anyone that knows them is listening. Hook us up. We'll make, we would we love would love to have that interview. Uh, that'd be a fantastic thing to talk about his insights into the Star Wars universe, how they've been working on the the, the Mandalorian series, which has been fantastic. It's been brilliantly done. Um, and uh, yes, that it that is how it is. So with that said. Uh, there will not be another episode on Christmas Day or New Year's Day, uh, but we will be launching stuff. Check out the Discord server because there will be we'll have some discussions going on there. 
Uh, we definitely want more interaction from our from our listeners. We want more interaction from you so that you feel like you're a part of this show just as much as we are. And we want to make this a worthwhile endeavor for you in 2021 because let's face it, at this point, we're pretty dang close to uh, when, when Aliens was technically happening uh, and a bunch of other <laughs> science fiction movies because it's not that far off yet. Truth. You know, as yeah. it is, the Jetsons was in 2012 and I don't have a stinking flying car that folds up into a briefcase. Thanks, I still Obama. have to walk my dog. It can't want, run on a treadmill and I don't have a robot that serves me. So don't even I, get me started on space 1999. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, but you know what? It's going to be okay. It 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 could be. It's going it to be, be okay. And if yeah, worse comes to worse, I will carry a ham radio through the apocalypse and we will continue to get the show out, darn it. Heck, yes. <laughs> so pretty much what you're saying is it, it, we're we're going to be continuing the show Love and Monster style. Yes. <laughs> Watch fantastic that movie. movie. It's so if good. you have not seen that movie, fantastic movie that came out in 2020. So good. Uh, yes. All right, folks. With that said, we're out of here. We'll catch you next year. Dungeon Crawlers, thank you for being here this season. And whatever comes next, tell your story, whatever may come. And as you have done for a full and challenging year, be epic, don't suck. So long, and thanks for all the fish. And now for something completely different.